That is who He is, and that is what we need. Amen. You may be seated. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, an amazing portion of Scripture that Paul is going to give to us, inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's so needed for a time like this. As we wrap up this little series that we have done these last four weeks, a series entitled, Loving the Hell Out of Our Community, uh, a time, the reality is that's exactly what we need to do as a church, to love our community in the name of Jesus, to drive out darkness and to replace it with the good news of the gospel. Why? What tumultuous times are there not that we are living in? If it was just COVID-19 alone, we had enough to handle But then all the racial divide, all that is happening in our country today, there's so much anger, is there not? There's really so much frustration, there's so much, there's so much hatred, there's so much that's dividing us. It just seems like everywhere you turn, our, our country, our lives, our neighborhoods, they seem to be divided. So what do we do? What do we do when we are this divided? Well, many have begun tearing down monuments. A monuments that of historical figures that they felt divided us. And so they believed that maybe that part of the solution is tearing those down. And as we tear down those monuments, uh, maybe that divide could be torn down as well. Well, is that going to do it? Is tearing down monuments really going to bridge the divide of our country? Is this the answer? I mean, quite frankly, it sounds like foolishness to me. How can we find healing in tearing down our past? You know, humankind will always have a plan that will try to bridge the division, bridge what is broken inside of us. We will come together and try to have our own plans that will uh, bring unity. That was what is splitting apart our country and our world. But I want you to know the good news. The good news is this, that God has a plan for dealing with the division too. God's plan is amazing. It's holistic. God's plan is complete. God's plan has both a vertical dimension to it, bringing peace between heaven and earth, and it also has a horizontal dimension to it, bringing peace to one another. God's plan does deal with the division that exists between holy God and sinful people. That's that vertical dimension. If we're ever going to have hope, that gap has got to be bridged. And His name is Jesus. But God's plan also has a plan for the divisions that exist that exist between people, races, those of, of different nations, uh, those of different socioeconomic standards, a holistic plan of peace that could bring peace to all. Paul is going to tell us of this plan. I love the fact when God's word gets real specific. I love it when God tells us very clearly what it is he's doing. Because oftentimes, haven't you wondered, God, where are you? And what are you doing in the midst of all this? Well, Paul tells us that God's plan, he tells us in Ephesians 1, uh, in verses 9 and 10, he says this, he's making known to us the mystery of God's will according to his purpose, which is set forth in Christ Jesus. Which is basically saying, hey, I'm going to let you know about this plan This mysterious plan, this plan that is of God's and the plan that is found in Christ Jesus. And listen to verse 10. As a plan for the fullness of time, the time that came when Jesus came to the earth, to unite all things. Here it is. To unite all things in Him. 
things in heaven and things on earth. This is God's plan, is to bring unity, to take away division, to bring unity to heaven and earth. It's incredible to unite all things in Jesus. You know what God's plan is? God's plan is God's own son. God's plan is Jesus the Christ. In Jesus, it's a beautiful reality, but in Jesus, God the Father has made peace with sinful man. He has brought reconciliation between heaven and earth. That right now, at this very moment, you and I, although we're broken sinners, can have peace with God Almighty, the Holy God, because of what Christ Jesus has done through His life, death, and resurrection. The reconciliation that is ours. But there's more than just that. In Jesus, God the Father makes peace between Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male or female. He's basically saying this, all of humankind truly can have peace, true peace, lasting peace, holistic peace in Christ Jesus. The whole story of the Bible, the whole unfolding of God's plan points to there's a reality that there's one hero in this story. There is one champion in this story. There is one warrior who ultimately wins in this story. There's only one who can bridge the gap, the gap of division that exists between heaven and earth and between men and women and humanity. And only that could be bridged by Jesus. This morning we're going to turn to Paul's epistle um, as we conclude our, our, our sermon series and look to the reality of how Jesus and Jesus alone can bring us peace. There was four things we're going to look at, but I want to start and I want to hit pause. And I want to say, the reality is this. Our world is so divided, and many think that the answer will be pulling down monuments that maybe represent division among us. For many of us, we think, okay, I, I can maybe see what you're trying to do. But that seems kind of foolish. It seems kind of crazy that that's going to really bring unity. I'm going to point to God's Word. And we're going to open up God's Word, and we're going to see God's plan. And I want you to know, right from the beginning, the world thinks it's foolish. They think what we're about to say is about as crazy as pulling down monuments seem to many of us. That we're going to lift high a cross of Christ. That Jesus, God's Son, is the one who's going to come and bring us peace. And the, and the world's going to say, you foolish Christians. You think it's really that simple? You think Jesus really is the answer for every one of us? For all of us? For all of humankind? And the answer is, so may the Holy Spirit come and give us clarity as we look to God's Word. There's four things that we're going to look at. I want us to remember, and God's Word is going to teach us this, remember who you once were. You've got to know who you are now. You have to remember who Christ is and who we are now. These are the four things. This is what God is going to give us for hope today. This is the hope for our lives and the hope of the world. Remember who you once were. Know who you are now. Remember who Christ is and know who we are now. Let's look to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 21 
through, I'm sorry, 11 through 21. Ephesians chapter 2. Hear the holy and errant word of God. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by that by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh of, by hands. Remember that you were at a time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinance, that He might create in Himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And we came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through Him we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus being the, uh, himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God by the Spirit. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Now, Father God, we thank you for your plan, your plan to reconcile and unite heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for what that plan has accomplished, what that plan is accomplishing, and what that plan will accomplish ultimately. That your will will be done. Father God, we live in a time right now where a lot of people have ideas of of plans that will help unite us. Plans that will will take away the divide. Plans that will help us erase our past or, or, or those who went before us that we don't agree with. And God, there seems to be an abounding amount of foolishness right now of what may actually unite us. What actually may cause us to be one. And God... Your plan is the only plan that matters. And the only plan that works. And God, if your people don't know that plan, don't embrace that plan, don't believe that plan, and don't live that plan, there is no hope. Oh, Holy Spirit, come and be teacher. Come and speak through a broken sinner like me. Oh God, because we're going to talk about the beauty of your Son and the and the glories of the gospel. God, I, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, they'd be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That you give us ears to hear your voice 
Oh Lord, give us minds to understand Your Word. Give us hearts that would embrace Your truth. And God, give us power in our feet to walk in a manner worthy of Your name. That God, You, by Your grace, would give us the ability to believe, to see and live out Your plan for your glory. The things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things be forgotten and fall away. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, would you use those things to make us more like your son, our savior, Jesus. And it's in his matchless name that we pray. Amen. This passage begins where Paul often begins with a little bit of bad news. and wants us to tell us, remember who you once were. Remember that apart from Christ, this is where you are. It's, it's, it's kind of like, hey, look at the before picture. And the before picture is one of those pictures that none of us really want to look at. It's like, oh my gosh, I really look like that? That was really me? But we'll see how glorious the after picture is when we, when we fully embrace, remember who you once were in verses 11 and 12. And, and Paul is going to tell us uh, some stark things. Remember that this is, this is true of all of us. And he's dealing with a division between Jew and Gentile. It was basically in the Bible. Those who are Jewish and the rest of the world, the nations, the Gentiles. But it's true of all of us that apart from Christ, we are separated from God. So that's where we start. We are separated from Christ. We're separated from God. This is where the Bible starts. It tells us of a story of how God magnificently created all things and He made us in His image. And how beautiful and glorious we were made to be known and loved by God and to know and love Him. But very quickly in the story, sin enters the picture. We rebel against God. We're like, I think we know better. I think we ought to be our own gods and do it our own way. And as soon as sin entered the picture, the Holy God responded by driving us out of His presence. Because the reality of God is this, is that sin... And holiness of God can't dwell together. And even when his image bearers rebelled, what was the consequence? Well, it was death and rebellion. But the consequence was separation. I mean, that was, that was awful. We were separated from God. And because of that, driven away from him. I mean, the reality is this. Because we are in now as naturally, we are born this way. If we are in a wrong relationship To God, we are going to be in a wrong relationship with fellow men. The reality is this, is you can't be in the right relationship with one another if you're not in a right relationship with God. Think of how Scripture and how Jesus Himself summarizes all of the teaching of the Bible. He says, you want to know what all these commandments, all these things tell you? Let me boil it down for you. Love the Lord your God with all your soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But sin gets in the way. Sin keeps us from loving God the way we should and loving our neighbor the way we, we, we should. As a matter of fact, we, we started in verse 11, but in Ephesians 2.1, it will tell us who we are apart from Christ. It says this, that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. <laughs> Scripture will say we are so separated from God apart from Christ that we're dead. That our sins have separated us, and really there is death to us. Not only that, we are alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Now, it's probably a phrase that you haven't thought about much. 
What does it mean to be alienated from the commonwealth of Israel? We see God's promises for the entire world came through God's chosen instrument for the world. As we read the Old Testament, we read the reality that God chose for himself a people. He makes it clear he didn't choose them because they were stronger. He didn't choose them because they were better, better looking. He chose them because he chose them. But God chose one instrument to do something, to be a blessing to all. God set one group of people apart to be a blessing to the world. But you know what they did? They used that separation to cause divide. Instead of bridging a gap to the world, they said, look at us. We're, we're, we're okay. God loves us. He doesn't love you. And we have circumcision. You don't. We are really God's chosen people. And they, they, they divided themselves from the world in which God wanted to bless the world through them because they thought their religion was the best and that God loved them the most. So what Paul is saying is, that remember at one time, you were separated from Christ and you're dead in your sins. And you Gentiles, listen, you were separated from God's story. You were strangers to the covenant of promise. As you read God's story, it's beautiful. God comes to his people like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Moses, and David, and he makes them incredible promises. He says, I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. And he'll say to Abraham, listen, I'm going to bless you and your seed so much. I want to bless all the nations through you. So all the nations, God says this, my people are to be my instruments of blessing, not hoarders of God's blessing. I think we've missed that. God always wants his people to be instruments of his blessings, not hoarders of his blessings. He says, you didn't understand that, that God set apart people like Abraham to be a blessing to bless the whole world. This, the sign of circumcision that, that you are mine, it became a, a, a dividing point. And he says, remember who you are, basically having no hope and without God in this world. According to God's word, that without Christ, there is no hope in this life or the life to come. That's the reality of what God says. I mean, you can try to build your life on something else. You could try to make something of yourself or your name. You could come up with all the plans you want to have. You can come up with all the ideas, get the smartest Mensa candidates together, get all the world's leaders together. But according to God's word, it says if you don't have Christ, you don't have God in your life. And if you don't have Christ in your life, it's without hope. He is the hope of the world. He is the one who has come to bring light into the darkness. Remember who you were apart from Christ. Hopeless and dead. That's the picture we got to start with. Paul's going to say, remember that reality. If it wasn't for God's grace, it wasn't for faith, remember who you, who you were. But now know who you now are. And this, I love this, these two words, but now. He's painting a bleak picture, but he turns and he says, but now in Christ Jesus... In Christ, in relationship with Christ, by God's grace through faith, we've been brought near to God. Remember, sin drove us away. But now in Christ Jesus, he puts his armor on us. He says, come close. The once we were banished from his presence, now he says, come just as you are. How does he do that? Brought near by the blood of Christ. Again, it's the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is that God is a holy God, that we are sinful humanity, and you didn't come into God's presence. You didn't just boldly walk in in the Old Testament. 
without a sacrifice. It's interesting, the story of the Bible tells us in the Old Testament, there was a temple that God uniquely put his presence, uniquely put his name, that there was only one person, a high priest, only one time a year, the, the Day of Atonement, could come into the most holy of holy presence. No one else, everybody else had to stay away. They weren't worthy. And the only t- way that this priest would come in, this high priest would come into the Holy of Holies, he had to bring blood with him. He had to bring a sacrifice. He had to come into God's presence and say, you know what, I know that you're holy and I know that I'm not. I know that our people are messed up even though we're yours. And so I come with the blood of a sacrifice. Scripture's going to say, you know, that, was, that blood was just a sign. It never really brought us near. The blood of bulls and goats, it doesn't take away our sins. But the blood of Jesus, the blood of God's Son, the power and the blood, is He brought us near. On the cross of Christ Jesus, the amazing thing happened is that is a veil that separated the holy from holies. It was torn in two from the top to the, the bottom. I mean, there's no way a human hand could tear that in two. And what God is saying is, listen, now you have access to me 24-7. Not just one high priest once a year. You could come boldly in Christ Jesus. But now we are in Christ Jesus. Now we are brought near to God by the blood of Christ. That veil has been we can come into his presence at any time are you in Christ Jesus have you had that gospel transformation from death to life you know how beautiful glorious that is well we have to remember who Christ is and how we got there I love how Paul says that Christ he is our peace now do you hear what it said he is our peace it didn't say he is the teacher of peace it didn't say he is a way of peace. It says, it says, it says it emphatically, He Himself, Jesus Himself, this is the one who is our peace. He Himself, in His being, is our peace. As Isaiah would write, 700 years before Jesus would show up in Bethlehem, He would say that the one who would come, He's going to be the Prince of Peace. Even way back in the book of Genesis, when, when Jacob is passing away, he says, coming from the tribe of Judah will be one who brings peace. This is God's peace. The peace of God only comes from the God of peace. The peace of God only comes from Jesus. He and He alone. He is our peace. We have God's peace through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Do you know the peace of God? It surpasses understanding. Remember, the peace isn't your faith, although your faith leads you to it. It isn't the way you live your life, although it should be reflective of that. It isn't your circumstances. It isn't what's happening around you. Our peace is in Jesus, the one who lives to intercede for us, the one who has opened up heaven. And that peace will never let us go. We may not always feel it. And we may sometimes run from it. But He is our peace. He Himself, He'll say again emphatically, He Himself has broken down the dividing wall of hostility. Wow! What hostility did Jesus break down? Well, the hostility between holy God and sinful man. That whole cross thing, 
that whole thing of Jesus crying out, saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, he was breaking down the dividing wall of hostility between holy God and sinful man. Now, as much as the enemy wants to accuse you that you are not worthy and that God's wrath still remains on you, if you are in Christ Jesus, the dividing wall of hostility between God and man has been divided and broken down. God will treat you as a child. He'll discipline you as a child. But he will never pour his wrath out upon you for your sin. You deserve it, and I do too. But he's not a God of double jeopardy. He poured it out on his son. And his son himself became broken down the dividing wall of hostility. The hostility that existed between sinners and, and, and man and between man, sinful man and sinful man. He did it all. He abolished all the dividing wall. How did he do it? He himself was abolished the law by fulfilling the law. It talks about he abolishes the law. Remember what Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law. I didn't come to do it away, away with it. I came to magnify it. How does Jesus magnify God's requirements? He fulfills them. Everything that God requires of us, God has provided for us in Christ Jesus. We owe nothing to God's law. We owe everything to God's grace. It's incredible. So he came uh, himself, has abolished the law by fulfilling the law. All the requirements of God. And he not only did he fulfill the law, he secured for us the blessings for, for being obedient. And the beautiful thing of the gospel is he absorbed the curses of being disobedient. The things that we deserve for being sinful and broken, he absorbed for us. He extinguished he himself has reconciled us to God through the cross. God tore down the dividing wall. How did he do it? He put to death the hostility by lifting up his son on the cross. This is God's glorious and mysterious plan. God's son didn't come to tear down monuments. God's son came to be lifted up on a cross. God's son came to be lifted up on a cross as a sacrifice for sin to unite heaven and earth, and to, divide, to unite us in humanity. This is his glorious plan. Only Jesus, God's Son, can reconcile us to God. Only Jesus, God's Son, can reconcile us to one another. That is the good news of the gospel. He himself has killed the hostility, it says. And I love that. How did he kill the hostility? By being killed himself on the cross. He defeated death by death by laying his life down. He jumped on that hostility himself. I mean, it just, it just I, I could picture brothers in arms and, 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 a, and maybe a, uh, um, what do you call those things you dig out? So a uh, bunker where, where a, a grenade comes and out of incredible love, one jumps on it to save the life of the others. What Christ has done for us. He took it on himself. The hostility. He felt the hostility from those who would just look at him and mock him. He felt the hostility that would come from the Father and he'd cry out, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? He absorbed that all that hostility so that we could give love, grace, and mercy to one another. Now we have to know who we are. 
I said you have to know who you are. And I hope you see the differences. Know who we are. In Christ Jesus, the glorious truth of the gospel is now one new man in place of two. Peace can only come when there's oneness and unity. It can only come that way. And we could try to pretend that our differences are bridged and to pretend that we're all alike. But the only way we become one is in Christ Jesus. The only way we bridge that divide is that we say we're no longer Jews and Gentiles. We're no longer just male or female, free or slave. That we are beloved sons and daughters of Christ Jesus. We are now one. God has replaced the two. We both now have access in one spirit to the Father. The Father only had one favorite. It was His only begotten Son. And now that we are all in Christ Jesus, we've been made equals in Christ Jesus. And how arrogant and foolish for us to think that we're superior to someone else by the tone or color of our skin, or our nationality, our education, our economic status. God's saying nonsense. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are equals, glorious sons and daughters of mine, beloved. Only when we see each other in the gospel in Christ will there be that oneness. Fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. It's to say, this is who we are. You were strangers, you were alienated, now you're, you're fellow citizens. And again, the word saint there is, is, is agios. It's, it's anyone who is in Christ Jesus. You are holy. This isn't some people that a church is enshrined. He's basically saying, if you are in Christ Jesus, you're part of the family. It's a beautiful family. Members of the household of God. More than that, we are the dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That's what the church is supposed to be right here. We're to be the dwelling place of God. Ready, ready for this? Right here, church. We are to be the place where God and man meet together in unity and harmony and love. That's the church. Because of the gospel and the work of Christ Jesus. We are the place that are dwelled together in that love and harmony of the gospel. As Christians, we are not called to tear down monuments, but we are called to build bridges that divide. And how do we do that? We lift high the cross of Christ. we got to believe it. I got ready for the sermon. Uh, I, uh, I was reading some sermons by a guy named Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He preached through the book of Ephesus in London in the 50s and 60s. Amazing guy. Was a medical doctor, became a preacher. I have six volumes of his sermons in the book of Ephesus. Unbelievable. And he, I just gave you 11 verses. He preached the sermon on every one of the verses. And I'm just sitting there reading them, just like tears in my eyes saying, God, if you can only help me be one one thousandth as brilliant as Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, as he magnifies the beauty of what Christ, our peace, has done for us. But I had this overwhelming feeling as he, as he was preaching in London, he would often hit pause and say, the world out there thinks we're crazy. You know, the world out there thinks we gather here in foolishness to lift up the cross of Christ. And I had to say, I think that's where we are too. Let me ask you, Christian, do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is our peace? Do you believe that he is the only one to, to knock down the divide that separates us? I mean, is this, 
This is God's plan. He told us in black and white. This is God's plan. And he's going to, by the way, he's going to execute his plan with or without us. His plan isn't contingent upon us, but he chooses to use us. But the question I want to challenge you as the church is, do we really believe in God's solution for the divide that exists? Or are we going to look somewhere else? Listen, sin has brought so much ruin into our lives, so much ruin into our communities, into our world. The only hope we have is Christ Jesus. The world thinks we're crazy for believing this. Foolishness. Scripture itself will say it's the foolishness of the cross, the weakness of the cross. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only hope for our world that right now is without hope apart from him. Do you believe in God's plan? Do you believe that Jesus is the only answer for the solutions that we face today? And I'm not trying to just be simplistic. I'm just trying to say this is what the Scripture says. Lift high the cross with your words. Lift high the cross with your life. Don't believe that there's an answer out there for the world that's political, that's, that's economic, that somehow we could figure it out on our own. That's just crazy. The only hope we have is that Christ Jesus is our peace. Let us pray. Now, Father God, I thank you for your plan, your glorious, marvelous plan of the gospel. But God, I thank you that your plan has included me, that has included us. God, it's crazy that you would demonstrate your own love for us, that while we're your enemies, while we're still sinners, while we are dead in our trespasses and sin, that you would love us enough to send us what's most precious to you, your Son, Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you that you would love us enough to put on flesh and dwell among us. We thank you that you would love us and desire to unite us to your Father so much that you were willing to knock down all that which divided us all the hostility and hatred, that you would lay your life down on a cross. That you would be pierced for our transgressions, broken because of our iniquities, so that in you and your sacrifice alone, we could be healed and mended. Father, we thank you that the hope of the world is not our plan. The hope of the world is the good news of the gospel plan. And, oh God, may we be a people who embrace this plan, who live and believe this plan, who live this out, this good news of the gospel, that don't tear down the monuments of those who went before us, but lift up the cross of Christ, who lived and died and reigns for us. Oh God, may the church live out and execute this plan for the glory of our great God, for the good of our neighbor. Oh Lord, Help the church to shine. Shine in the midst of this darkness. To be bold. And to live for you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.